morning, everybody. I figured that would catch up here in a moment. I, uh, I just want to say thank you for uh, Dada leading worship the way you did. I don't know what the Lord did in all of you, but I know what he was doing in me. And, uh, and just so thank you for that. And knowing that this is Father's Day, uh, knowing the story from her father on her being a promise from the Lord in a very specific area just was uh, just exciting. And so happy Father's Day to everybody. As many of you well know, I actually love dad's jokes. And, and here's the reality. You actually don't have to be a dad to tell dad jokes. Just makes you a faux pas. Now, I didn't actually uh, write all the jokes down because uh, we were having some problems with our, our printer. It was making just a ton of uh, noises. Uh, I don't know uh, when it's going to stop jamming. But some of them you just have to remember because there were so many that came and that were good that, uh, you know, why couldn't the uh, pony talk? He was a little horse. Now, I know you're already asking yourself, when is he going to stop? But I want to tell you this, that uh, I could do this all day long. Because as a uh, dad and as an adopted dad, uh, some of you are going to really struggle with what I'm going to say next. I actually got this for Father's Day. So literally, I could go all day long. Um, but I won't. I won't. Uh, because, you know, we, it's Father's Day. We, we, of course, that's, that's some of the most resounding amens that I've gotten in a while. Uh, the, that we celebrate our dads, and um, I don't know about you. For me, when I think about Father's Day, and here in a couple weeks, Clarissa and I are going to go back up to visit um, our parents. We now seem to be on a twice-a-year trek because we only have so much time with them. I, I, I was raised by, you know, by a good dad. I didn't, I didn't struggle with the fact that he loved me. I don't know why he didn't toss me out. Because I certainly, over the years, did things that was worthy of going get out of here when I would embarrass him and put him in a compromising position. For example, when I was uh, at whatever age I was, I, my friend Danny was over. And, and, you know, if you were a Gen Xer, you just, your parents left you at home all the time. Uh, you know, listen, if you're a Gen Xer, your parents forgot that you existed. The 10 o'clock news reminded you to check where your kids were at, right? That's the way it was for us. And so, so it wasn't unusual for our parents to leave us at home, and they would go and do their thing. And, and so we would do our thing, and my friend Danny was over, and, and we were doing something. I think we were, that day we were pretending we were stuntmen, so we were trying different things. And then he starts mincing around with our answering machine. For those of you that don't know, before cell phones, the first great technology that came out was a machine that connected to your house phone that when you didn't answer, it would have a recorded message that say, leave the message after the beep. And, and he actually hit the record button. And, and I think I was beginning to develop my preacher voice at that time. So with a real stern voice, I told him to stop it. And I cussed him out in the meantime. But unbeknownst to me and unbeknownst to my parents is that he had actually hit the record button, but not for leaving a message, but for the message people would hear when they call their house. <laughs> and so I certainly deserved 
uh, to get tossed out then, but that didn't happen. But certainly my dad also brought a certain amount of uh, healthy fear to my life because, because we would have these moments where I kind of took this and carried it on to my kids where my, my butt had a nerve that, that was supposed to be connected to my head. And, you know, if you did stupid things that, you know, was up here, you got connected down here so that nerve would eventually get connected. Uh, in fact, we still, we, we, we don't know what happened to it. It wasn't me. I, it probably was my older brother because he caused all the real problems in my life. But, but, but we had a stick that was this long. It was this wide and it was this thick. And on one end, my dad taped uh, electrical, black electrical tape, so he wouldn't get a sliver. Being unconcerned about us getting uh, slivers, he would, he would if, depending on how bad it was, he would either say, bend over and touch your toes, or if it was going to be really bad, and one time in particular I can think of that, that we still have fun with, he would, he leaned me over his knee and then he put this part of his arm on my back and he just started syllable spanking. I mean, every time a syllable came out of his mouth, I was getting whacked on the backside. Now, you might be asking yourself, what did you do to deserve such a thing? Uh, there were only two times that I still come back to my parents and say, I don't know that I got what I deserved. But this particular time, it was one of them. I was in the seventh grade, and uh, it was the end of football practice, and, and we lived 12 miles from school. Well, the guy that, uh, in order to play sports in my home, my parents could care less about sports. In fact, you know, the reality is my parents never checked their homework. This is just a Gen Z thing, you know. You know, you, you made your life work, and no matter how old you were. And so if I wanted to play a sport, I could play one a year, but you had to find someone that you could share a ride with. So my mom would pick us up one day, and his mom would pick us up another day. He didn't show up for school, and it was his day to take us home from football practice. So me and my seventh grade uh, brain went, oh, well, I'm just going to walk home. And so I started walking, and I kept walking, and I kept walking, and I kept walking. And about six miles into the walk home, I recognized that it was pitch black out. And listen, where we lived was as bad as it is here in East Fort Worth because we had nothing but woods, solid woods, and Bigfoot lived in those woods. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes, I tell you, Bigfoot lived in those woods. And so unbeknownst to the seventh grader, I'm, my parents had been wondering where I was at. There were no pagers. There was no cell phones. I was just gone. So you can see how their anxiety would start to rise going, where's our third born? And so when it got dark, I finally, I knew where his friend of mine lived, Phil. He was kind of at the halfway point. So I went into his house and, and I called my parents. I got a spanking so bad that night that literally when the next day came and, and we, were, we were, my mom was taking us to the Seattle Center to go visit the King Tut exhibit, I could barely sit down. So I had this, this healthy fear when it came to my father. In our experiences with our earthly father, it really does frame the way we look at our heavenly father. So for me, when I think about the judgment of God, I don't typically take that casually. Because I know what the judgment of an earthly father can do. But there really are probably a number of different fathers that are represented in this room. I'm not saying this is an exhaustive look at different kinds of fathers, but I want to just touch on a couple of them. Uh, let's start with the positive would be an empowering father. An empowering father, he wasn't perfect, but he tried. 
He was a guy that, you know, he had the boots. And I, one of the things I liked about that video, it was very subtle, but it was great. He, he pulled up his sock. And did you notice his sock went all the way up to here? Dad's just had, you know, that, that empowering dad seems to always be, have those, uh, those kind, of, kind of socks. But it was that kind of, kind of dad that would take you to the mall if you were a kid. Uh, but most importantly, he would say, I love you. Wasn't afraid to give you a hug. And he empowered you for life. Then another kind of father is an abusive father. Reality in the world we live that some fathers are just abusive. They, 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 they live with a, a, a dynamic of anger and discontentment in their own hearts towards their own life, and it's expressed towards their children. They, 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 they maybe used words to cut you down, to tell you you were not worthy, that you would not live up to, if only you had never been born. There are even the the fathers that were abusive sexually or physically, that now you, when you think of, when you think of a father, you do not even but just push away. What, what happens when you, when, when you have an abusive father in your life, uh, he, th there's this, this thing called shame that gets deposited in you. You have to understand that guilt is, is something you experience because what you've done, but shame is what you believe you are. And an abusive father can, can, can put things in there. And so, uh, so you start to think, I must be defective. What's wrong with me? Then something that's plaguing our country is it just as a whole is, is an absent father. It's another kind of father. Maybe your father died early or he just left and wasn't around. Maybe you were raised in a family where there was divorce and so... Dad left and went to another family. And so there just wasn't that father figure that was there for you. So whatever the reason, you just never knew your earthly father. Then there's the passive dad. The passive dad, by the way, is a really nice guy. He wants everyone to just get along. He's, uh, he's kind of seen with, uh, you know, these, these boxer shorts because, because mom is the one that wears the pants in the family. That was a subtle dad joke. But what he ultimately does is he leaves the family without a model of male leadership. And then the whole other, whole other end of the spectrum is, is the father that's the performance dad. You can get approval from me when. Here's what you need to do. I had to fight against that because I'm, I'm driven. I, I love sports. I, I'm, I'm competitive. If, if, you know, if we're going to play a game, we might as well keep score. Otherwise, why play the game? And so when the kids got old enough and started doing doing soccer, I would go to the soccer practices. And, and when one of my sons was out in the middle of the field when he was supposed to be playing and he was twirling around and not paying attention, I was just going, long as you have fun, just have fun out there. Just have fun out there. I never really believed that any of my kids would grow up and be a professional athlete. Although as a dad, I told them, if you do become a professional athlete or become, come into a great amount of money, 
you repay me by, and they knew the boat that I wanted. Because here's the reality. I, I look back at my father, and I look back at me as a father, and we might be good, and there may be a level of health, but there's only one perfect father. And it's important that we understand that, and that really is that place of connect today, is that, that our, our, our father in heaven is the only perfect father. Why do you think the devil works so hard to go after the earthly father? Because he understands that our perception, our understanding, our, our relational attachment to the heavenly father is viewed through the lens of our earthly father. And so the devil will do everything he can to destroy fatherhood. He wants to break every healthy view of a father there is. Now, I haven't, I don't really watch kids' shows anymore, but I would sit down, you know, when there's only one show I just as a dad didn't like, and I didn't like it, not necessarily for the content, but it was SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah, it just irritated me. Because they always scream. And so I paid my youngest to never watch that show again. <laughs> but when I would sit and I would watch the, the Disney Channel with them, I would be highly irritated that they would write scripts for these kids to be the smartest in the room. And dads were buffoons. Because the enemy will use the things that disciple us his way to get a distorted wrong view of our heavenly father. And so for some of you, you just, you just say, Lord, you need to help me have a right view of the father. Jesus is easy to connect with. He's the nice guy that you always read about. But Jesus opened the door or paved the way for us to go before our heavenly father. So Jesus, when he was asked by his disciples to teach them to pray in Matthew chapter 6, he said this. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your mother. No, it doesn't say that. He says, your father who is in secret and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven. Now, I don't believe that, I don't believe that our, our prayers are withheld because we pray to Jesus. I don't believe that. But I also believe that, uh, believe that, that the Father is sitting there going, excuse me, excuse me, I'm here for you. Some of you are going, but why is that even important? It's important because when you understand and have the, the proper perspective of what a healthy father, what a perfect father is, it changes the way you live day to day. So I just want to give you a couple. We don't have time to, to go into a bunch of them because we're going to go have root beer floats here in a few minutes. 
But I want to just kind of, these areas I think are areas we can grow in, in really understanding who our Heavenly Father is. And first it really is our Heavenly Father is a caring Father. Psalm 103 says it this way, it says, A father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to all those who fear him. Now, if your father never showed you compassion, then the idea of the Heavenly Father showing you compassion is pretty far removed. But compassion is, is really this, this deep awareness of the suffering that is taking place. In fact, a deep awareness that actually moves one to action. And even when I say that, the enemy automatically comes and says, well, then why does our Heavenly Father uh, let all the suffering go on in the world? And you may struggle with that question because when you say, why does God allow all the suffering going on in the world? What you're really saying is, God, why did you allow me to go through all the suffering in my world? But I can sum it up with one word, and the word is called love. I want to give you a principle. It's not in your notes, but I would encourage you to write it down because you can, you can weigh every relationship that you are in against this principle. And the principle is this, that the one who loves the least, let me say that part again, the one who loves the least will control the most. The one who loves the least will control the most. And when you understand love and that love is freeing and love, it empowers and encourages, but ultimately it frees each person to be who God created them to be. The great challenge in our world is that people chose sin and sin hurts self and it hurts others. And so because of God's love, there's sin and there's hurt and there's pain in the world. And if God truly didn't love you and I, he would attempt to control you and I. But because he is a father that is empowering, he sent his son so that we in Christ Jesus might be empowered by his spirit. Why? Because he's a caring father. But not only is he a caring father, he's a consistent father. And this is a great thing about a perfect father. You can count on him every time. He won't let you down. In fact, James said that every good and perfect gift comes from the father who doesn't change like the shifting sands. He's consistent. I think back when, I, when Clarice and I were first married, our kids were young, and I just got to tell you, I was just a flat knucklehead. I pray that I'm less of a knucklehead today as a father. But I was a real knucklehead. Because I wasn't very consistent. I had days that I, I took things out on our kids that I look back now and go, just, just, there was no one around to hit me in the back of the head. But I needed that because, because I had UMS. You know, it's been said women have PMS. Men have UMS, ugly mean syndrome. It happens. Say amen if you know what I'm talking about. This isn't an accusation about the man in your life. But it causes you to be a bit inconsistent. Because I grew up in a family where, where promises were made and then promises weren't kept, 
I always just said maybe. And the kids long enough always said, well, that just means no. Maybe you, you, you've seen this, that wasn't a dad that you experienced, but if you ever saw the movie, and this, by the way, is our favorite Christmas movie, Jingle All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger. One of his, his favorite lines to his family is, I promise, I promise. And he, I can't do it in the Schwarzenegger voice. <laughs> but he always, but here's the great thing. Because our God is consistent, when he makes a promise, that promise is going to become a reality. So we come to him. But not only that, he also is a close father. That means he's available all the time. That he's not unavailable. That he's not going to be one that is going to force you to have your, all of your eyes um, dotted and T's crossed and getting it right before you come before him. That's not the God that we serve. Because he isn't far away. Even, even to those, even to those that, that, are, that, that we would say, well, he's, they're far from God. Paul, he said that to the, to, the, to the pagans, God is close. He's close. So for them, he said, reach out. Reach out, you'll find him. Because he's close. I'm in my own just personal rich development time. I mentioned to the prayer group today that, I'm, that I've been reading this book by Andrew Murray and the uh, name escapes me, but he just, made a, he just made a comment in there that just the Holy Spirit went, you know, I think this is an area where, Rich, you can, you can grow in your, in your relationship with your Heavenly Father. He said, it, he said, it's real easy to get in the habit of studying the Word and praying and forgetting the relational component. Because there is no greater gift that we've been given than to be in relationship with the Almighty God. And so to, to go on and grow on that, because he's never too busy. You don't have to go to Mary or some other saint to get a message to him. Here's the beauty. Let me use this example. And let's get to understand this about God. Um, I took off my phone this thing when people text me that sends a message that sends my text as read. How many of you have taken that off your phone? Chickens, you know what I'm talking about. You don't want people to know when you're reading their text. Because you may not be in a place or in a mood to answer them right away. Right? And so I just said, just, it says delivered if you, if you send me a text. Some of my friends, they say read, and I said, boy, you don't got it. God, whenever you come to him, it always says read. He's turned and he's noticed. My, my daughter, when she was young, because again, I'll just continue with the reality. I was a knucklehead. My daughter would take me by the cheeks. And she would do this. And she would make me look at her. Because for me at that time, there were moments that I just, I, I always struggle with this. I could live within myself and I don't need anybody around. And maybe the only one that amens this in the room is my wife. 
because she'll look at me and go, where are you, Richard? Because I have this whole world that just goes on in here. But because, because that is an issue of mine, because there is no perfect father, my daughter had to do that. Let me tell you something. In Christ Jesus, our heavenly father is always looking directly at us. But here's the last thing in this thing that we have to really grow in is that he's a competent father. He can handle any problem that we bring to him. He is, he is, he literally has unlimited resources. One of the things that I've discovered the older I get is how I missed out on, on how my earthly father was there for me in my early 20s that I could have just come back to. Why do you do this? How do you do that? Because, again, I wasn't close to my dad growing up. My dad left before I got out of bed. And I prayed he got home after the sun went down because then we wouldn't have to work outside. He didn't go to our sports. He wasn't interested in the things that I wanted. We never went on daddy play dates. That never happened. But my dad still was very competent. And so I never relied on that in my, in my early 20s. The older I got, I, the, the more I would call him up going, oh, I got this problem, I got that problem. A friend of ours in Arizona, uh, her and her now husband, they pastor a church in this little town in North Arizona, northern Arizona. But she, she was, when she, her husband had uh, died and she was, she was left all to herself with, I don't remember how many kids, her name was Tony, and, or is Tony, and, and, and she was abs- in absolute poverty. And when she came to Christ, God said to her, I've got this for you. And there were times where she was completely out of food. And she would say, God, I don't even know how I'm going to pray, uh, feed my kids. And her heavenly father had her taken care of. Because somebody would bring food. It would just happen to show up. So what do we do with this? Now, let me just kind of finish out here really quickly. Because I think for us... There's just two things that when it comes to this. First, there's access, and then there's, there's an, anticipate. If you, are a, if you are a son of God, if you've said yes to Jesus, if, you've, if you have exchanged your life for Jesus' life, you have access now to the Heavenly Father. Now, that may, that may struggle with some of you because there are so many people that have been raised, whether you're in this room or online, that have been raised without earthly fathers, in fact, that, that there's such an epidemic in our world. There is a, there's a, there's a man on TikTok named Bo Patterson. And Bo Patterson has six children of his own. But he has 2.6 million followers because he has devoted his life not only to his kids, but producing videos to teach people around the world who didn't have fathers teach them how to change a tire, boys how to shave, how to, how to keep out of debt, how to, how to fix a hole in the drywall. And so people who didn't have access to this because of the, the Chinese, ooh, had to throw that out there, have access to somebody who will teach them who will help them do what their 
earthly father wasn't there to do or refused to do. It's Jesus who gave us access to the heavenly father that can help us with any problem. And so when we access that and we go in there and we say to him, I need help here, then we just anticipate. We anticipate because now he's going to come through. He's going to direct. This morning, I, I'm musing and walking around, and just something came to my mind about something that I am that I'm wholeheartedly believing the Lord for. I said, Lord, I don't even know why I should believe for this. I have no idea how this is going to get accomplished. Those were my words to him this morning because I have access. And I didn't have to be in my normal place in the chair that I am for in, the, in first thing in the morning. So it came to mind. So I just took the access and I went to him. And, and I just told him, he said, I got this. I got this. Now, the rich side of me goes, that's good, but I'd like to have some of that. But he wants to empower me for the future. And in empowering me for the future, he's allowing me to grow in faith. He's allowing me to grow because I'm not the one who's going to fulfill it. He is. And so for us, having a life that is, is anticipating the next thing that the Father is going to do, or one of the many things that the Father is going to do, He loves. He desires it. He wants it. But we've got to take advantage of the access. And then we have to anticipate it. This last week, I didn't do it. Um, I don't know if you did it, but Clarissa did this. I, I, I said, set your, set your alarms for 910. I think it was 910 or 920. Not, beautiful. Listen, at, at the Van Proyen house, if, if, if Clarissa was home at 910, her alarm was going off. To be reminded of something. To remind her that God is in the middle of every relationship she was having that day. I think there are some of us that, that we need to set an alarm for 6.09 a.m. or p.m. Because some of you are night people, not morning people. To remind you to go before the Heavenly Father. To take advantage of the access. To not just give him, not just to give him a quick couple moments when we're driving in our car. But to sit down and, and allow him in your hardest days to pull you up on his lap and encourage you and strengthen you, to have him say things to you that, that you can't just leave at random. you got to write them down because you're going to live with an anticipation that the great God of heaven, my heavenly father, is going to come through in this. I think that's, a, that's just another part that I think would be good for all of us is to write down those things that we are anticipating because we can say God went through here, went through here. As the worship team's coming, I'm going to close. But I, I, uh, the very first happy Father's Day I got uh, was today was when I woke up. And it was in the middle of the night. And it was from a pastor friend of mine who, who Father's Day is just such an interesting holiday for him. Because uh, he, he was raised in Haiti. And uh, when his mother got impregnated with him, her, her husband said, go have an abortion. We are not having another child. And when she did not go have another abortion, he left her. And then because of her incredible poverty, she gave him to his father, who never once called him by his name, who literally called him a little, and I'll let your imagination go, it's his entire life. 
His dad absolutely hated the fact that he was in this world. His dad was either not there, abusive, the opposite of caring, the opposite of competent. Every, every dynamic of what it means to be an earthly father, his father was the absolute opposite. But in his church, he's known as dad. Because the heavenly father can redeem the hurt and the pain and the anguish that fathers try to bring into your life or don't even realize they're bringing into your life. If we'll just turn to our heavenly father and access that relationship. And so, Lord, we say yes. We say yes to you. Lord, if there's anyone here that has not said yes to your son, who's not, who's not exchanged the life, who's not said, I give up my life for Jesus's life, I pray that they would do that because the moment we do that, Lord, it says that we become your children and we have this great, perfect heavenly father. And Lord, I know that you desire all men to be saved. And so regardless of what has been done, they believe that they're not worthy, that they should be kicked out, Lord. You're saying, I've provided a way for you to be in this family. We say yes. Lord, for others that have not really had that good earthly father-son, father-daughter relationship, I pray, Lord, they will, they will begin to access their heavenly father through all the hurts and all the pains. So, Lord, you can redeem. So you could redeem what the enemy has tried to do. Because, Lord, you are perfection personified. So Lord, I believe that you are, you're moving people into a relationship with you, that they're going to have some beautiful things that they're holding on to. They're going to live a life of anticipation that their heavenly father will come through for them in Jesus' name. If you agreed with that at any point, say amen. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.